I'm gonna go ahead and invite our speaker up for today. His name is Dan Hale. Come on up here, Dan. Y'all know Dan Hale. We've had, we have many fathers preaching this series, but it's only fitting to have Dan preach on Father's Day. He is very much so a father in this place, and we want to honor him as such. And if you don't know Dan, he's been uh, around since... Um, I'm not beginning. Gonna, the beginning. The beginning. I, I wouldn't even say it at Whatever. age or range. I, I, is that in Genesis from, or is that... No. Well, no. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say, but uh, yeah, he, he is just a, just a beloved father in this house and who, who loves the word of God. And he's going to, you know, Christian mentioned this, we're talking about uh, wells and just this idea of just getting spiritual depth with God through these disciplines. And he's going to talk about the discipline of worship this morning. So it's going to be awesome. I'm going to pray for him and for the service and we'll jump into it. <clears throat> So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, um, yeah, just that you are providing us an opportunity to discover even deeper what it means to be a true worshiper in spirit and truth. And I pray that your word would go forth. It would water our hearts that we would grow spiritually in this moment. We honor you, Lord, as our Father, and we just thank you for what you're gonna do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Oh, what a great day to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. I wanna start off by just showing my, my family. So I, I have had the blessing of being in at Antioch since it started, which is, uh, you know, just amazing where, from where they came. And if you look from this end to this end and you see this, plus all those people that we have sent out into all the world to make disciples already, God is awesome. He deserves our worship and our praise, doesn't he? Praise God. So if we can pop the pictures up of, that's, I have two sets because one set lives in Denver and you'll see which ones live in Denver here in just a minute. But this is at my wife's birthday just a little bit ago. And we'll see as you look through, my wife is the, it says birthday babe. <laughs> and right now she's, my poor wife's over here. She, she's uh, saying, why did you do that? Well, I did ask her permission. Honest. I did. I did. <laughs> She probably didn't remember she had that sash on. But, and then we have some close friends in here, and you'll see my son and my daughter-in-law, Joy Allen. We, uh, Joy, the Allens, of course, our family here. And then we have Anna and Zach, and then Danny and Nikki. And Amelia is on this side, the older one, and the younger one is Abigail. And the next picture is our Denver family. <laughs> now you can see why I say they're my Denver family. They live in Denver and just beautiful family. And we have Esther and Andrew. Esther's my daughter. And then we have Eden and Hadassah, which is the name for Esther. And then we have Simon. So I am a blessed man with five beautiful grandchildren and, uh, and four beautiful children who have married wonderful people. I'm just blessed. I did want to, we're going to talk about worship today. And we're going to talk about worshiping a heavenly father. And in that, I want to remind people, not everybody probably in this room maybe had a father that would be something that you might even celebrate. I don't, I don't know. But I do know that the Bible talks about the heavenly father being the father to the fatherless. And as we talk about him and worshiping him, I want to remind you, we're going to talk a lot about him. Remember, this is the father. This is the ultimate father that we are worshiping and that we are praising on this day. So as we talk about that, we're talking about the spiritual wells. We're going to dig deep wells, and I get to do worship today. And we have had 
uh, several people come up and talk about it in reality when you look at those different wells that we've talked about, which is study, studying the Word of God, prayer, guidance, simplicity, and now worship. I think worship actually encompasses all of those other worship. And next week, we're going to be talking about service, which is a word in the Bible used for worship. And so worship, what is worship? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start off by asking a question, a question that you can think about in two ways. Okay, so everybody to yourself, ask yourself, why am I here? And there's two ways to look at that. Why am I here in this room? And why do I exist in the earth? And I will tell you the reason that is, is the same reason. Why you're here and why you exist is to give God worship. You exist to give him glory and honor. He created us for that purpose. You'll read that from Genesis to Revelations over and over. And until you start thinking about worship, you won't really think through that. But you'll find that worship and glory and holiness throughout the Bible and just about everything you read. And so those things are critical as we think about why am I here? I'm here to give him worship. And how am I going to give him worship? And so when we take a look at that, I might, might say that when we look at that on Isaiah, we might start there. This is kind of the foundation verse. I have two foundation verses that I want to go through today. And the first one is Isaiah in chapter 6. So you might turn there, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. And this is a scene that we see in Isaiah when he is called into the throne room of heaven. And we get to a snapshot of what we see going on in that throne room. And this is Isaiah, again, 6, 1 through 7. And it's interesting because if you start in Isaiah, which is about 700 B.C., John, in about 90, well, somewhere after Jesus had gone to heaven, he also has an almost the exact same scene. So over 800 years, this has been going on, the same words, the same People saying those words go from one end to the other. And in fact, we're going to do a worship's first worship song today that's going to talk about that throne room in heaven when John was there in Revelations 4 through 9. But I want to read Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. And it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings and two he covered with his face and two he covered with his feet. That's showing humbleness and actually who he is more worthy. God is more worthy. Remember, you couldn't even look at the face of God. So he's covering his face, covering his feet. And with two he flew. In chapter three, or verse three, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the, thr uh, of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, and so this is Isaiah's reaction to what he's seeing in the throne room in, in verse 5. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live 
among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And just a few verses later, uh, he hears a voice saying, Who will I send? And he says, Send me. As a reaction to what he's seen, God, seeing the holiness of God, he's saying, I want to worship you. I'm going to speak forth your truth in, uh, at that time in Jerusalem. So there's two things when we look at it. We say the word holy and we say the word glory a lot. And I think it's really important for us to really focus on, in on those two words when we talk about worship. Because when we bring those two things together, we end up having worship. First of all, the word holy. Holy uh, literally means separate. Separate. And so, I mean, are you going to refer to uh, the seraphim saying separate, separate, separate? Well, in, in a way, what they're saying is, because when it's said three times, it means perfection, completeness, fullness of that holiness. Three times is the way that they emphasize something. When they say it, it means complete. It's complete when they say it three times. So holy, holy, holy. So holiness means you're recognizing, you're seeing, or not recognizing, but he is perfect. He is great. He is worthy. He is in a category by his own. He's not a created being like the angels are. He's not a created being like us. He is the creator. He is separate from any of us. And he is worthy of all praise and honor. And that three times means he is infinite in his perfection. He's infinite in his greatness. And he's infinite in his worth. And he is a class by himself. So how about the word glory? Well, notice it doesn't say holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of his holiness. It says full of his glory. And so glory means the whole earth is filled with his glory. When I glorify I am focusing on the manifestation of his character, his worth, and his attributes. When we see that, then we act and we speak in a way that shows other people what we see and what we love. I really like the way John Piper brings it, I think, to a, to a conclusion when he said this. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So I want to ask you a question. What are you satisfied in? Are you satisfied in food or in something that you try to fill and put in your body or think about or expose yourself to that you think is going to bring you some fulfillment? Well, I'm going to tell you that's, can you see the falseness in that? When you look at the holy of holies, the throne room of God and who God is, and we see the things of this world that are so, that we try to satisfy ourselves with. Again, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So worship is an act of expressing one's love and adoration for God. Kind of an example of that, and it's a very poor 
example, but I think it's the closest one that I can say in this world, is uh, taking you back to when I was a uh, about tw- 27 years old, and I'm standing in a place. I'm standing at the front of a church. I'm standing at the front of a church, and I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for a beautiful bride, future uh, pre-bride or bride, who will become my bride, standing at the door. The door's open, and I see my beautiful wife, and I go, whoa. She is beautiful. I love her. And she walks down the aisle. And that whole joy that I feel is not complete until I tell her in a small voice, you are beautiful. I love you. You see how the expression of what I see expresses how I feel and my satisfaction in her. And I'm still, she is beautiful in so many ways, inside and out. And I learned inside and out. She has been so much with me. And so we look at it, that's kind of like worshiping God, where we see his beauty and we want to express it to others. So I'd like to go now and talk about the next kind of major verse, and that is in John 4, 19 through 24. And in that one, we're going to see what Jesus says about worship. Wouldn't it be nice to know what Jesus is saying about worship? If you look at Old Testament, the word worship means bow down. And they're going to go bow down in Jerusalem in the Old Testament. They're going to bow down, and that's what they're going to show, just that act of bringing things to the temple and all of that. Let's see what Jesus says. And when we go to that, we're kind of jumping in the middle of the story just from a time standpoint. But if you look at that, you'll see that he's talking to the, a woman, a Samaritan woman. So this is Jesus. There's a lot of ways to go to Galilee. He's going from Judea to Galilee, and there's three primary ways that you're going to go. Two of the ways are the ways that most Jews go. They go around Samaria. Samaria is in between Judea, Jerusalem area, and Galilee. But he could choose to go straight through, and I know it's for a purpose, and it's this purpose, to bring them so that they know and believe in him and become uh, Christians in that, that time frame. So he's there. He's in a, a city called Shechem, and if you go to the Old Testament, Shechem, uh, there's a Mount uh, Gerizim there that is, if you look at it, that's where they set up their worship. When the South and North Kingdoms separated, they worshiped in the South in Jerusalem and in the North at this, uh, to set up a temple up in Shechem. And that's where they were worshiping. So there's two different places. Samaritans worshiped there and Jews worshiped down in Jerusalem. And so in this conversation, it comes about where the woman said to him, and this is now John 4, 19 through 24. This is verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, yet you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one must worship. Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. They're worshiping at that time false idols and all sorts of things. It was a mix. Pluralism of religion was 
rampant within Samaria. We worship as Jews, we worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming, and even now it has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Well, there's several things we can pull out of that. The first one is, is I hope you see when I tell you that you were created for the purpose of giving God worship and glorifying him, that's it right here. He's seeking those who will worship him. So let me ask you, are you seeking, are you the person that fits in that group? He's seeking those who will worship him. Are you worshiping him in your life? Number two, what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Okay, so Jesus just totally changed everything in this verse. He turned it inside out. Where in, the term, in that day you went to Jerusalem or you went to Mount Gerizim to worship. At those two places, you bowed down there, you brought your offering, you brought your sacrifice. At that place, ultimately, that's where you did the ultimate worship at that time. Because in their minds, that represented the presence of whatever God they were worshiping. But Jesus turns that and he says, no longer are you going to go to a place to worship. Okay, we're here at this church and it's called a worship service. But we are people here that corporately worship and God loves that. There's a lot of Bible verses about how we come together as a group to worship. But that's not the only thing. Worship is not a form or a place. Worship is what happens inside of us. And so as we look at that, when we talk about spirit and truth, so let's talk about those two terms. How do you worship in spirit? Well, God's Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, he sends your spirit into you. And his spirit, the Holy Spirit, leads you in worshiping. It leads you. How else can I even see God without the Holy Spirit? He, God is the one who initiates this this worship. He's the one that opened my mind to see who he is and how wonderful he is and how beautiful he is. The Holy Spirit opened that up. And his spirit, God's spirit, speaks to our spirit. And as we do that, we now worship him in spirit because he is relaying that. The Holy Spirit is the one that initiates it, opens up, and we give it back. And that is worshiping in truth. Worshiping in truth is kind of worshiping with your heart and your head. Head, Heart is spirit. Head is worshiping him according to the true expression of him in the Bible. The way he is represented in the Bible, the way the Holy Spirit reveals him to you, that is worshiping him in truth. So we worship him in heart and we worship him in spirit. So worshiping is a hard issue. So we can go to uh, Matthew verse uh, chapter 15, verse 7 through 9. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. And this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And I will tell you in that day, the most worshipful people would have been the Pharisees in the minds of the other people. The Pharisees would have said, we are better than anybody else because we worship God in a more perfect way because we tithe mints and we do this and all of these things. Jesus talks about it throughout the Bible. But this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. 
He says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you by saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Worshiping, teaching the doctrine, uh, doctrines of men, not the doctrines of the Lord. And what we'll see is when we look at the epistles and Acts, we see that, that um, Paul and Peter and James totally changed worship to being a heart internal issue of worshiping him in every aspect of your life. If you go back to the Samaritan woman, what happened after Jesus told her that? Well, she revealed her, he revealed him to her and she immediately goes into the Shechem, the town. She tells everybody about it and guess what? So that's worship right there. She saw the glory of Jesus in that. She told them about that. And many people became Christians in the next two days that Jesus stayed there and preached because of that interchange. You see how she received, she saw, God opened her heart to receive it, and she went immediately to tell others about Jesus and how wonderful he was. All right. So point three is how do we worship in spirit and truth? So how do we do this? Well, remember, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue and it's truth. Heart, spirit, head, truth. Let's go to Mark chapter two. And this is the kind of the verse that I always go to when I want to express myself as how I'm supposed to live my life. And that is in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And this is Jesus. He's been asked, what are the greatest commandments? What is the greatest commandment that there is? And he says, all commandments fit within this one. And he says in verse 30, so Mark 12, 30, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That word strength there, I want to just kind of explain that just a little bit more because it doesn't just mean my physical strength or my mental strength. It means everything that I own, any physical thing that I own. Now it's, it's my physical strength plus everything else I own, I'm going to use it for his glory. So bottom line, when we read that, what does worship look like? What do you think? It looks like to love God with everything I've got with everything I've got. Every part of my body, every moment I wake up, I'm going to love him. And what does that look like? It's a choice sometimes that I'm going to do. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to choose to love him. And there's times when I see his glory and his wonder, and it's so beautiful, and it just comes out of me. And as you worship God, and as the worship team worships God today, you're going to see that in them. I've seen it in them over and over. You can just see. It's just not words they're singing. It's, it, it is flowing out of them like this living water that we keep talking about. So when we look at that, when I ask you the question, why are you here? So why did you come to this church today? Did you come because my parents made me? Okay, or did you come because it's the thing to do? Or did you come because uh, I want to get something from God? Did you come to worship him? 
It's called a worship service. All those things, a lot of good things will come out of that, believe me, there's no doubt. But the focus cannot be those things. Quite often we're going to say, I'm going to worship God and I hope we're going to kind of jig something up here. And we got to start with worship to get that done. No, no. We're not manipulating. It's like me going to my wife and saying how wonderful she is and then asking her, would you make me a ham sandwich? I need to just tell her how wonderful she is because she is wonderful. Well, in this case, I'm going to tell God he is wonderful. Many things, great things will come out of that. But that has to be the focus as we go forward. All right, so let me just talk about and jump to how do we worship and what are some practicals. So why do we call worship a spiritual or a uh, spiritual discipline? So why do we call it a spiritual discipline? Well, because it's not in our nature. Who do we want to want to worship? Ourselves. If you go back to Eve, that was the primary. You could be a God if you eat this. God knows you'll open your eyes and you'll be your own God. We want to be our own gods. That, that's the problem with the world is everyone, unless you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and have accepted Christ as your Lord, you want to be the focus and the center of everything. And luckily, when we become Christians, God moves us to a place to become more like Jesus. And what did Jesus say? I only do what I see the Father doing. My desire is to do the will of my Father in heaven. It's a shift. And I, I believe everybody in this room has seen that shift in their life from being very self-focused to really selfless and focused on him. And that's why we celebrate. Now, celebrate discipline. If you look at the Bible, uh, book, and that's a book that we're offering here, and I encourage you to go get it. Much of what we're talking about comes out of that book. Um, it comes up with some practical steps with respect to worship. And so those practical steps, first of all, first one that they list is practice the presence of God every day. And I would add to that every minute. So as I'm walking through this uh, life and I come to a meeting and, and there's somebody that's uh, a little cranky, I'm going to take that moment and say, God, what do I need to do here? I need your help. There's no way I can do this. I can't handle this. I need you. Give me wisdom, Lord. What, what, just that, that's worship. Every time you pray, you're going to God and saying, I can't do it. And it, you can. That is worship in itself, isn't it? That, just think about it. Everything we do is worship. And if you go to Ephesians, you know, in many places it says pray without ceasing. So that's another step. So pray without ceasing. So we talk about the presence of God. We can do that through worshiping by worship songs. We can do that and just talking to him and speaking to him through our prayers. And prayer is more than just asking for things. It's quite often a lot of mine is just saying, God, you're awesome. You're wonderful. Look at that sky. It's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Next one is worship in voice and heart in different settings. So worship at home, in your life group, which we had a tremendous life group worship time the other day, just beautiful. 
in Antioch services. We're coming here when there, you want to worship on your own and you want to worship in a corporate setting. The Bible talks about that's the only way you're going to live in this world. The world would love for you to just be off by yourself. It's when we come together and together remind ourselves how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is and how, how much he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That is a time of just worshiping. It's kind of like there's a dam in here sometimes. And when we worship him, that is just removed. And that living water can then start bubbling up through us again and bring healing to us and healing to the world around us. All right. Next one. Uh, let go. Uh, well, prepare to worship. Don't neglect rest. We all need that, right? Self-reflectance, examination, and confession. Those are things that are part of worship. When we confess to him, Lord, that was not good. You're recognizing, hey, you're God, and I didn't get even close to you where you want me to be. Help me, Lord. I need your help to do that. Um, let go of your agenda and let God interrupt your life and his agenda. It's quite often that I'm going someplace, and this is America. We're, we're headed to a place we have a mission, and men are much more like this. we got to accomplish something, get it there. And many times, somebody will come into my life that is going to be a delay. I've got to recognize that, that that delay, if God is truly sovereign, which he is, <laughs> that delay is for me, to do something. And so that's the moment I say, God, what would you like me to do here? How, how can I minister to this person? And maybe he'll tell me something that person's gone through, or I'll ask that person a question, or however that works. But let go of your agenda and go to God's agenda. Cultivate holy dependency means completely dependent upon God for anything significant to happen. There's no doubt in this presentation today if anything good's going to happen, it's got to be God. I know who I am and I know who he is and it, God is a great God. I know that. Next is absorb distractions and gratitudes. So distractions, you know, there's no babies crying in here today. I, I love it when babies cry. I love to just see them. They're gifts from God. They're created in the image of God. And sometimes we're going to let things distract. My, the biggest thing in my, my life when I come to a worship service like this is I am thinking about tomorrow, Monday. Many of you probably have already done that. You're thinking about, I'm going to think about what I'm going to eat. I'm going to think about how I'm going to cook the uh, ribs that I'm going to cook today. You know, how I'm going to put it in the oven. I'm going to do, you know, in my mind. And part of that's the enemy. Part of it is I need to spiritually discipline, dig a well and commit myself and say, no, Holy Spirit, help me focus on you. And then what I'll do is I'll look at, you know, if I'm in a service, I'm going to look at those words and let those words and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them and make sure they go through my head so I can worship him in truth. Okay, absorb distraction. Offer a sacrifice of worship when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like it, that's when you do it even more. And many of you know that my wife has been going through cancer uh, since when we discovered it in, September, uh, in August, September of 2019. And it recurred, and now it's been put at bay again. And so that's been a time of just some discouragement. But I'm going to praise God. You know how you dig wells? You dig wells over and over and over again. And when we talk about when you dig those wells, you've got those wells full of water. You can draw from them. And I believe that's the only way 
that we have been able to sustain that. It is, I'm going to grab a hold of you, God, and I'm not going to, I just imagine myself grabbing his feet and saying, I'm as nail-scarred feet. I'm never going to let go of you, God. I'm never going to let go of you. And Linda will tell you, she read, she was, had been reading the daily Bible over and over again for a while, and that was depositing things in her that when she was hit with a knowledge that she was going to go through some lots of treatment, over a year's treatment, and then now, what, four years, praise God, scans are clean. She'll have another scan in July, so pray, pray over that. And so in that, God has sustained us through all of that. And part of that is because of the wells we dug throughout this time frame. And we're now we're drawing apart upon it. All right. So I want to read just a couple Bible verses before we go to the next question. And I think right now, uh, let's go to Psalms 100. And Psalms 100. Well, I guess, I'm sorry, let's go to Hebrews. I'm sorry to do that, but this has to go with sacrifice. So I better, I, I want to read this one. This is Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. And 15, it says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that gives thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for what? With such sacrifice, God is pleased. So even in hard times. And so what you'll find out is you read um, many of the epistles uh, that Paul wrote, as well as Acts, they took the things that might have happened at the temple and they separated them out. And now instead of sacrificing an animal, I'm sacrificing God with even in hard times, I'm giving him the praise from my lips, even in those tough times. As you look at that, that's what what worship is, is regardless of the situation, I'm going to praise him and give him glory. And I will tell you, the only way that's going to happen is by the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit, worshiping in spirit, going to the Holy Spirit and reading his truth out of the Bible. All right. And then we'll, we'll end with Philippians, my, my favorite verse, Philippians 4. Uh, verses 4 through 8, because I, it reminds me that even in hard times, God will give me peace that goes beyond my understanding. It kind of looks like I'm, gonna, I'm digging a well when I'm doing some of these things in this verse. And then you can see that, that Paul is telling the Philippians, you're going to draw from that well as you do that. It says, rejoice. This is verse 4 out of 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. You see how he's speaking forth and worshiping God, not just to God himself, but he's making sure he's, they're glorifying God by telling other people of his wonderful things. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. This is drawing from that well will surpass all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, and this is a, I use this verse to ask my, when I have a decision as to whether I'm going to go do something. I tell my kids, are you going to want to go see that movie? Well, read this first, okay? And it might convict you whether you should go to that movie or not. Or 
I'm going to go do this activity. Should I do this activity? And so this is what the verse that I remember. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So as we read that, we see that we are giving everything to the Lord, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, and our actions. So we're going to now enter into the roundtable part. I'd like to pray for you before we do that, and we'll go to the first question right after that. But let me pray for you and pray for myself as we're praying, all right? If you'd bow your heads. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are. You're holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of your glory. Oh, Lord, help us see that. Help everyone in this room see that in a way that they maybe have never totally seen it before. And help us, Father, Holy Spirit, in your spirit, and by your truth, help us give you true worship with everything we have, with our innermost being. Help us praise you and worship you and give you glory, Father. Thank you that as a human, I can even give you glory. I even have the ability to give you glory, the glory that you deserve. Thank you, Father. And Lord, thank you that you created me and you created me to worship you. And for that purpose, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and help me worship you in spirit and truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen.